Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And we have the full CHGO White Sox crew here today. We got Vinny Duber on the far left. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. Crack him. Because the White Sox won. It on was tap. a one-game series uh, out in Cleveland, making up the rainout on August 21st. And the White Sox went into Cleveland and made the statement they needed to make, as Elvis Andrews said after yesterday's game. They win 8-2 to two with, count them, Five home runs. They are now twenty-one, or uh, sorry, they're now uh, twenty-six and five uh, when hitting uh, two home runs or more. Sean, uh, we just watched that game. A great win by whoever that team was. I'm not sure it was the White Sox. Five home runs in one game. My goodness. What's the uh, record when they hit five home runs? Uh, when they hit five home runs, probably is under it two one and zero. Two and zero. They hit they hit five home runs like the other day too. Oh, against Oakland. Remember the five oh, home right, runs and right. five fourteen double uh, doubles they hit versus the Oakland Athletics. But yeah. This is a game that they needed, and they stepped up to the challenge. They did exactly what they needed to do against a pitcher that should be hit as hard as he did. Well, and it got a little rocky. I mean, maybe not a lot of rocky, but I was just so anxious for this entire game. And you look at the first inning, and it's 1-2-3. Hunter Gatherer uh, <laughs> has a fantastic first inning. And then Lance Lynn gets into a little bit of issue, uh, trouble. I mean, it was a long I- inning for him. I think he got up to around 28 pitches. Um, a lot of 3-2 counts. A dropped pop-up by Yasmani Grandal in uh, f- uh, fair territory. A rough inning, but the Sox get out of that. And then the home runs start coming. How did you feel in the first inning? Felt great after it finished, but this is what I'm talking about where teammates got to pick each other up. Yasmani, no, I mean, uh, Lance knows that Yasmani didn't want to miss that, and he knows that Jose Abreu, more than likely any infielder, can catch that ball much easier than a catcher who's turning around towards the stadium while those guys are coming in. So Lance Lynn picked him up, picked his catcher up, picked his first baseman up, picked the umpire up as he aced uh, Gonzalez on a one-two pitch, didn't get the call. Didn't complain, didn't bitch, got the out anyways. That's how you do it. 28 pitches in that first inning. I think he had, what, 40-something into the second inning. The guy still got it to the seventh inning. That's amazing. He knows how to pitch. He knows this was a big game. And his last three starts versus the Cleveland Guardians have been outstanding. Who would have thought that Lance Lynn is turning into our second-best pitcher now? I mean, we would have thought at the beginning of the year, but 
well, the way he started in Detroit and on the road series that he had early, everybody's like, ugh, Lance Lynn, we can DFA him now. But now, you wouldn't, where would the White Sox be without a healthy Lance Lynn who's looking like he's getting stronger as we keep on going through the season? Wow, it looks almost like somebody who suggested that they DFA Lance Lynn was uh, a ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous dumb person. Huh? Who said that? I, I don't know. Herb oh, just, okay. oh, Herb just brought him watch, up. Watch, watch the Twitters, man. These, <laughs> oh, okay. Anytime a White Sox pitcher has, especially Lance Lynn, when, they, when he started the year, they're like, oh, Lance has lost it. DFA him. Because his, his velocity was down. People were saying he was just not good. The argument with uh, Joe McEwing in the dugout for the Detroit, you know, arguing between Filet and uh, Rebaez course. <laughs> the people are dumb, and they're reactive. <laughs> but Lance Lynn proves that he is, and I would say now that he's jumped over Johnny Cueto for me. If there is a playoff series to be had, cease Lance Lynn. Well, what do they always say? It's about when what you're, what you're doing at the end of the season, right. right? And Johnny Cueto's been so consistent, remarkable all year. Certainly he's put together the second-best season of any White Sox starting pitcher. But... The games are being played today, and so he's had a couple bumpy moments of late. Uh, it really looked like it was going to be a third straight game of short outings by the starting staff. Yep. I mean, we had Kopech only go five on Tuesday. Cease only went five yesterday. Lance Lynn almost up to 30 pitches after one inning. You were like, all right, here they go again. They're going to have to figure out how to get four innings out of, of, of bullpen help here today. But you're right. He, he, he got right back into what he's been doing for the last – I mean, and it, is, it isn't even having – it hasn't even been a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately thing for Lance Lynn because we're talking about a streak now or a stretch of a dozen starts. I mean, this guy's put together months now of really, really good pitching. Um, he, he is exactly what you said. I think you've got to make him your game two, if not your game one starter in the playoffs right now. And that, that's nothing against, well, it's nothing against Dylan. It's, a, it's about a veteran guy who's been there before, right? I mean, you could certainly make the case. Not Again, it's not... Your game one starter, or the way you order your starting pitchers in the in a postseason series is not just all right. Let's go see who had the best ERA plus and line them up that way. You know what I mean? And I think Lance Lynn can make the case as a veteran guy who's been in playoff moments before, who's won a World Series before, that he's the guy you would want to go to right now. But of course, like I just said, it's about what you're doing on the day. We got two. We got 18 more games of baseball to play in the regular season. If the Sox are going to make the postseason, it's going to be the guy who is pitching the best right then and there at the end of the year. You're probably not wrong about that. And again, they got to make the postseason before mm-hmm. we start having uh, discussions like that. Uh, but yeah, oh, I don't know, Dylan Cease, man. I mean, he's he's shown you that he's able to go out there and give you Fantastic. a start of one earned run or less. I think <laughs> what the I, the I think the point is that you know it's probably one of those one of those good problems to have. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> last 11 games for Lance Lynn, 78 strikeouts and eight walks that will do um i think we saw his era before the game it was about 405 he's gotten that down now to 399 on the year so under four looking a lot like the guy that was the top five cy young finisher last year for the Sox in 2021 um it really feels like he is back and healthy which is the biggest thing for lance lynn and let me tell you guys if we only have 18 games and if they pitch in on schedule as they do right now the two people that would not pitch at the end of the season in the in the Minnesota Twins series would be Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn. And that might need to be reconfigured if there's a uh, one or zero game deficit between the uh, White Sox and Guardians come those last couple days of the season. That's when they'll call up their own Hunter Gaddis and, and probably, you know, Davis Martin will start that game. I was going to joke about Davis Martin. Davis Martin is the team's sixth starter, so I was trying to go for My someone guy. who is behind him on the depth chart, and I'm not really sure I can think of anyone. <laughs> At this point, I'll, I'll put Jimmy Lambert out there again Ooh. and say, Jimmy, give me two. I know hey. you've been mostly a guy that's 
just been one inning this year, short stints and doing great. But you used to be a starter. We can stretch you out if we need to. Two, three innings. The other day, we had the the Oakland guy who did us a, uh, a surprise start, and he went five innings of no hit ball. I'm sure Jamie Lambert could do that one of these days if need be. Well, we saw Raylo in this game. He's a former starter. What he about could, Vince he Velasquez. Could stretch it out. Vince <laughs> Velasquez. <laughs> Kendall Graveman is a former starter. Liam Hendricks is a former sure. starter. Guys, we'll get real uh, interested. Uh, or, uh, we'll get real crafty if the White Sox make it to the uh, the playoffs, and they will if they continue to hit uh, five home runs per game. Uh, let's stop burying That's the a lead good here. Uh, yes, uh, Lance. <laughs> Lynn uh, was fantastic in this game. Very, very important uh, that he survived through that game. Six and one-thirds, two earned runs, six hits, one walk, six strikeouts. He did allow four doubles, but he was able to leave uh, runners on base. That was huge for Lance Lynn today. 106 pitches. Aaron Bummer did come in uh, and finish out that seventh inning, uh, but the White Sox, and they did, did, give, did give up a run in that inning, but still the White Sox pitching today was fantastic. Ray Lowe had an inning of shutout work, and so did Kendall Graveman getting two strikeouts in his work but the main story are the home runs in the second inning there was two homers from the White Sox from Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn there was a homer in the third there was a homer in the fourth there was a homer in the fifth there was a homer in four consecutive innings and that is the first time this has happened since 2012 on August 2012 or yeah August 2012. Uh, it's not 2021 because Dwayne Wise wasn't on the uh, the team then. Uh, so that's my fault on that one. Uh, August 20th, 2012 versus the Yankees. The first home run was in the fifth inning by Dwayne Wise. Then in the Dwayne sixth Wise. inning, Gordon Beckham uh, hit the second home run. Then the seventh inning, Alexei Ramirez hit the third home run. And then Adam Dunn off Derek Lowe, who was on the Yankees wow. uh, in the eighth inning, hit the fourth home run of the game. That, to- is, some early, that is some early to mid-2000s pit- batter pitcher matchup right there. Freddie Garcia uh, to Dwayne Wise was the other one on that wow. one. Jabba wow. Chamberlain to Gordon Beckham, two young pronouns there, I right? Him. Um, so I just I love going back in the way back machine and seeing those. Uh, and then five home runs for the White Sox, uh, four in straight uh, in four straight innings. Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn in the second today. Yohan Moncada in the third. Grandal in the fourth, and Elvis Andrus with his fifth. Which one was your prettiest? Which one was the prettiest? We're doing home run draft. Um, Yohan Moncada won. Hitting the ball where he hit it, 420 to straight center there in Cleveland is a thing. And he went down and got a change up and murder it for 104 miles per hour off the bat. That is what we need. And I know Vinny said this months ago that we need both Yohan Mancata and Yasmani Grandal. Seeing what they're doing as of late is very encouraging. They're hitting the ball with some solid contacts to varying degrees of success. But Yohan Mancata, another Four-hit game, we're coming off a five-hit game last week. He's going back to Detroit where he had a five-hit game early in the year. This you on, Mankata? Mercy. I tell you, the White Sox are going to be going far if he's at the level he is and the rest of the players just stay where they are. It was it, – listen, I, I asked it at the trade – or right before the trade deadline – when Rick Hahn got out and said, you know, second base, right field, these are positions that, you know, the White Sox have underperformed at. Maybe that's a, a place you look for an offensive upgrade at the trade deadline. And I said, well, what about third base and catcher? Those, that's been a, that's, those are positions where you've underperformed. And he basically dismissed the idea and said, hey, if this team's going to go far, if this team's going to do what we thought it was going to do, it's going to be because Yuan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal are playing key roles. You've basically got, with the exception of Tim Anderson and Luis Robert because of their injury situation, all your core guys uh, starting to show some life here. Aloy Jimenez has been fantastic in the second half. Jose Abreu has been fantastic all year. He leads the American League in hits, for crying out loud. Three more hits today. And Tim Anderson's on the way back. 
Who knows what kind of Luis Robert you're going to see the rest of the year. But if you can get Grandal and Moncada to just be fine to contribute to this lineup, it's an entirely different offense than you saw for five months of this team. Well, seeing what we've seen over the past 16 games from the Sox, um, what do we make of what the Sox biggest question mark is. Is, is. is it Luis Robert now, just with the lingering concerns about his wrist injury? Is it Tim Anderson and how he comes back? Is that more important because Luis has been playing? I mean, what do you guys define as the biggest question mark around this team? I think it's Luis Robert for me because he, his health and him being just an average player. I'm not expecting MVP levels as we were at the beginning of the year, but he's not the player with any power he got a single yesterday, I believe, but you could tell the wrist is still hurting him. So him back at 85%, 90% at the bat will leave this team into great things in the future. And if he's batting seventh like he has been batting seventh here in a, as of late, golly, this lineup is finally starting to look exactly what we wanted to with Luis Robert not even being a, at full strength. For me, that would be the thing that I'll look forward to. Tim Anderson, I think, is a constant, but also having a finger injury or a hand injury is a tricky thing for a baseball player because most of your things you're done, you're doing with your fingers and your hands. Yeah, I would say, can Tim Anderson come back and be Tim Anderson? I mean, you're talking about a team that's trying to make the playoffs. You know, every game from here on out is critical. It's one of those big moments that Tim Anderson has flourished in throughout his, you know, the last few seasons. And then if they do make the playoffs how great has Tim Anderson been the last two years in the postseason to really kind of be the one guy who has been uh, uh, consistently great and reliable in those kinds of moments. If he can come back and be that guy, then everything else really kind of takes care of itself. When I look at Luis Robert, and and again, there's not me reporting anything. I don't, I don't, I'm not relaying anything the team has said or anything like that. It kind of looks like right now, anything you'd get from him would be gravy. Um, He is a guy who you don't know if he's going to be well enough to be in the lineup every day. And this has gone on for long enough that you can call it kind of, you know, not just a trend, but the new new normal for him for the rest of the season. Let him get the offseason to completely heal up and get back to normal. I don't know if he has the ability to do that over 18 games and then into the postseason. Um, Fortunately for the White Sox, they're getting good play from Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, and A.J. Pollock to make an outfield that you can be confident in going out there. Elvis Andrews has been fantastic uh, uh, filling in for Tim Anderson. If Tim can't be his normal self on a regular basis, uh, at least out of the gate from when he comes back from his injury, you got Elvis Andrews to put there. Elvis Andrews, they're probably going to try him out at second base, I would imagine. Um, We'll see if that works and if he can stay hot at the very least. The bat should continue to, to do its thing, even if maybe you get a defensive downgrade there at second base, a position he's never played before at the major league level. Right now, though, it looks like there's reason to be confident in this White Sox lineup just because of the results, which have been vastly different than they were for the first five months of this season. We watched this team for five months, and I don't think you could have said that a game like this was possible from them, watching the team the way they played up until the last few weeks. Yeah. Now... You look at this, and this is, Herb, like you said, the second time this yep. has happened in the last little bit. We, we, we watched that Oakland series, and we wondered, okay, yeah, okay, they're, they're kicking the A's ass, you know, is that that's the worst team of the American League. 
to go to Cleveland and do this today, I thought was very impressive. It's the statement, like you mentioned at the top of the show, that Elvis Andrews said that they they were going to be able to go out and make. Yeah, and let's go to – I was wondering what, what you feel about either T.A. or Luis Robert. Well, I, first off, I just want to go to the board real quick about the four consecutive innings and the, the home runs just because I think it's funny that you brought up what you brought up to Rick Hahn about looking at the catcher and third base position for power, and then we mentioned, oh, well, if Luis Robert's down, Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn's going to need to step up, and with Tim Anderson being out, Elvis Andrews is going to need to go uh, do well. Um, if we could pull up the board for the uh, four consecutive home run innings just again. Gavin Sheets hit a home run, Andrew Vaughn hit a home run, Yon Moncada hit a home run, Yasmani Grandal hit a home run, and Elvis Andres hit a home run. So clearly, uh, just they got the necessary contributions today. I just thought that was funny uh, and kind of kismet that we're all talking about those positions, and, well, they all performed today. Uh, we did get a super chat from uh, Stephen Bardo saying the pressure is on this young Cleveland team. Their bullpen is going to be pretty much cooked after these five games in four days. We have a chance, boys, and he's absolutely right. After this game, after you saw what happened today, and you see that they're going to play five games in four days. They have a doubleheader on Saturday. That's a, a day and night game doubleheader. Um, they're going to be playing, uh, you know, they've been playing since August 23rd and don't have a day off until September 26th. And, I mean, they threw out Brian Shaw today. I mean, the White Sox can hopefully hit Brian Shaw if he's thrown out there uh, by the Guardians. So if the White Sox need to win their next three games against the Guardians, this is a fantastic kind of setup here for the White Sox to do so. We'll get to that a little bit later on um, in the show. Um, but, yeah, I think well, – what was the question you asked me before? Just you, you know, you asked us about which one would be more important for the White Sox looking it, forward. Yeah, I think it's definitely Luis Robert, just because Tim. I think it's. I don't know what a sagittal band tear is like and what it's coming back from, but it just seems a lot easier. And I don't know what Rick had to specifically say about Luis and his injury coming back, but I know he mentioned that him getting hit on the actual wrist didn't help. So or in the hand area, right? right yeah, uh, exactly. on, I think he got I, hit in the fingers, right? In, yeah, in, against Seattle, yeah. against uh, I think it was Castillo. Um, but it just feels like a, an injury that really won't get better until he has an off season to take that time off, not use his wrist and overexert it. It just seems like they don't have the time to put him on the injury list to get him back healthy. And even if they put him on the injury list, it doesn't seem like it's a guarantee that the wrist will come back to 100% in two months. Sure. And also, not only that, I, I don't think it makes really a difference whether they put him on the injury list or not. You want a guy who's going to be able to pinch run or be a defensive replacement for you late in these games that are going to be critically important, use it. Use him because he's good at running and he's good at fielding. There's no point in bringing up you know, Adam Hazley again to just take that roster spot because you can. Um, and also, you're probably going to see Luis thrown out there a few more times to try and bat and try and see what he can do because it's probably going to be a situation where he, he feels better when he shows up to the park and then he swings four times in a game, a high-intensity swing, and all of a sudden he doesn't feel so good anymore. Um, it's funny, the way it was described, He and I believe he talked to reporters today in Cleveland, he kind of made it sound like, the first time he swings, it's okay. It gets a little worse the more he swings as it goes along in the game. It's funny that that's Luis Robert who's been swinging at every, who's been swinging at the first pitch of every at bat almost Never. all year, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost funny. It's like you go, you throw him out there, get that hit in the first or second inning, and then anything else from there on out. Maybe you even pull him just because it's like, all right, you got us the one good swing you could give us. But uh, listen, I, I think what uh, what Miguel Cairo said. I asked, you know, is Tim going to have the same kind of slow? comeback here that Luis has experienced. Luis has a wrist injury, got hit in the fingers. It's that hand area gripping the bat, right? Tim Anderson has to go through the same thing because he had a finger injury, right? But what did Miguel Cairo said? It's surgery. It's been repaired. He's, it's been fixed, you know what I mean? He's right. had this time for it to heal, whereas Luis has kind of been playing through something that hasn't 
healed all the way yet. And so that's kind of perhaps the difference between those two situations. So I guess to answer your question, I would say the biggest question mark then is Luis Robert, just because will he ever be healthy enough to take two good swings in a game? Will he ever be healthy enough to be batting higher in seventh or will they need to move him down? I think when Tim comes back, once he gets back into the rhythm of things, I think we'll see Tim Anderson. I mean, like Vinny mentioned, I just love reading off these stats. Tim Anderson in the postseason has a 485 batting average, a 485 on base percentage, and a 545 slugging percentage, OPS of 1030 in the postseason. He's 16 for 33 at the plate. What's so the that's record? just sick. What's the record he holds? Like, he started his playoff career with nine hits. I know he had three hits in each one of those Oakland A's games. Um, it's just phenomenal. He had a great postseason versus the A's, and I think he did well enough versus the Astros, not as well as he did the year before. But Tim wanted to show himself out on the biggest and grandest stage in the playoffs. Unfortunately, they lost in that A's series, and, you know, the Astros were much better than the White Sox last year. So there's no doubt that Tim is a big-time performer. If we can get that same thing from him, if we make it to the playoffs, I assume that Tim Anderson will be locked in and ready for the big stage. Yeah, Tim owns most hits in any six-game span in MLB postseason history, and he owns the most hits, 13, by a player in his first five MLB playoff games. So, yeah, he'd be huge to add to this team, and I don't really have too many question marks about how he's going to look because, again, he's Tim Anderson. He is the face of the franchise. They're not going to bench him. They're not going to move him off his spot. He is the shortstop. This isn't a Jimmy Rollins situation when he was a rookie, right? He, he's going to be able to uh, earn that spot. I did see Chris Big Camp- home run in Oakland by Jimmy Rollins at the start of that season. <laughs> J-roll. Um, couldn't even wear his number seven. Uh, had to give it up to J-roll. Uh, but I, I did see a stat from Chris Kampka comparing Tim Anderson and Elvis Andrews as the White Sox sh- shortstop. In 25 games, Al- Andrews has, I think, six home runs and 25 RBIs. Anderson, around 78 games or something like that, has 60, six home runs and about 27 RBIs. I think it's a little bit different. Tim's not a huge power guy. Elvis is a well, little and even, bit. And even more so this year. Right. But. Elvis is a little bit older in his career. Usually, you know, guys start trading uh, out for power a little bit more. And he had a really great first 40 games and a really, really awful last 40 games before he hit the IL. So, like, I think it was just more of a. a and look a, at the sample size, too. I right. mean, and, and, and Camp is absolutely right. What Elvis has done in such a small period of time has been very impressive. Uh, Tim Anderson's an all-star who's been able to do this over the course of several seasons in a row now. Uh, you know, Elvis Andrews, this is his finest offensive season in a very long time. Well, and my point too, like, I mean, let's see if he can play second. Like, because then that just fills the White Sox uh, whole issue. I mean, that was the biggest thing we talked about when we started this back in March was what was the White Sox biggest need? Well, I think we all answered it was second base. They could plug in Elvis Andres, who's having this offensive resurgence and renaissance for his career at second base, and he could figure out that position. And then you're Putting in the American League starting shortstop at second base or shortstop, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, we do get a, uh, have a super chat here from Jaxo23 saying, "Congrats on Sox Mass, Sean. Thank you very much." Also, the Twins cannot choke and get swept by Cleveland, and the Sox need to sweep Detroit this weekend. We will talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to let you know about PointsBet. They're bringing you a better way to live on uh, bet live on games this season. So tonight, which means when you're watching the game, you could place a live same game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out your live second half. Over over bet with points bet your you have access to more live football markets than ever before, and you can build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. You can choose the outcome of the next drive and po- next points with PointsBet's lightning bets. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. You can download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to get two or three bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. 
I used my free power hour bet that I got today on a same game parlay on the Chiefs and Chargers game. I'm going Chargers plus seven and a half. Austin Eckler to get 25 receiving yards or more. Justin Herbert over 37 and a half passing attempts and his rushing yards over 15 and a half. So I used my points bet power hour free bet on that. Go check your account. Maybe you still have your free bet out there in your account from the Power Hour and take advantage of points bet today. Again, download the app and use code CHGO when you sign up to get two or three bets up to $2,000. And our other partner we have to let you know about, if you are a golfer like our producer, Steven, Pins and Aces is the spot you need to check out. They're the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear that they have just sent over, and we have gotten tons of compliments. I know the people in DNVR have gotten tons of compliments on and off their course about their Pins and Aces gear. They're family-owned and uh, they're a family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keeps drinks cold the entire round. So if you're playing on the front nine, you can load up with seven beers, go to the clubhouse, load up your bag again with seven more beers, and then for the back nine, have you know 14 beers for 18 holes. That sounds like a lovely day or in, in the sun. just buy two of those sleeves, and you have 14 for the first nine. There you go. And if you're going to... Ravinia or something. Oh, hey, this is just a little bag. You know, don't worry about this. This is just my golf bag. A lot of rules at Ravinia. Right there. A <laughs> lot of rules at Ravinia. They are not going to let you in with that, I'm sure of it. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, it's not it's not Ravinia approved, but it is CHGO approved. Uh, again, uh, check out their fantastic beer sleeves, polos, hats, and golf bags at pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to get 15% off your first order. And you get free shipping as well when you use code CHGO. So use code CHGO to get 15% off your first order and get free shape, shipping at pinsandaces.com. All right, let's talk about this weekend coming up. We have three games in Detroit, yep. uh, and then the Guardians and Twins have five games over the course of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, like I said, Guardians ha- haven't had a day off since August 23rd. They won't have a day off until September 26th. Right now, the Sox are three games back, and then once they face the Guardians on Monday... Hopefully it's three games or, or less. Um, how are we thinking this shapes up? Because Minnesota has been pretty banged up recently. Detroit has been a, a foe that the White Sox have been able to handle easy this year. Uh, do we expect the Sox to take care of business this weekend? I mean, you got to look at three, uh, two out of three this weekend. I know White Sox fans say we got to win all the games. It's very unlikely It's to say that you're going to win all the games and then go, what, uh, 12 and 13 and 3 versus the Tigers this year so far and then have three left with them next week in a guarantee rate. They're not throwing great pitchers. Matt Manning's the average pitcher. Eduardo Rodriguez, the White Sox took care of on opening day. And I think their last pitcher is Drew Hutchison on Sunday, Mm -hmm. who's pitched well versus the White Sox in his two starts. And versus everybody else, he's just been like a four ERA guy. So the White Sox have everything they need in front of them. They have Lucas Giolito going to the bumps tomorrow. It's going to be tough. He's their White Sox Worst pitcher right now. But as Vinny likes to say, as we like to say, he steps up for large games. And I hope he feels this is a large game, as he did do when the White Sox opened the season in Detroit. This time, don't get hurt. I know it's not his uh, his uh, thing to get hurt or not. So if he continues to pitch like he did that opening game versus Detroit, and he's been pitching slightly better than he was before, but it's still been inconsistent. It's not the Lucas Giolito that we're used to. And for the weekend, we need Cueto to step up. And, of course, Michael Kopech on Sunday. If we can get quality efforts from all three of those pitchers, I see no problem with the White Sox sweeping, but I'm going to go for two out of three versus the Tigers. I'm not looking that we're going to be beating the Tigers' ass because we've been doing it all year long. I just can't buy into the White Sox doing well 
beating the Cleveland Guardians and then beating the Detroit Tigers and then the Minnesota Twins actually doing something versus the Cleveland Guardians. I can't buy into all that things happening because we got to stay on that roller coaster that Vinny says, the roller coaster that just goes straight. The world's straight. worst roller coaster. Little dips, <laughs> little, uh, little ups, little dips, little ups, little Remember. dips. But if you zoom out, straight line. Remember, folks, enjoy the ride. It's above my head for a reason. Alloy the ride. Um, alloy the ride. Uh, yeah, well, real quick, let's just take this quick uh, uh, transition here. We'll, we'll jump back into the Twins and Guardians because we've still got like an hour left of this podcast. Um, but uh, Daniel Gamboa asking, I saw on the CHGO Cubs podcast thumbnail that they're trying to acquire Alloy in the offseason. Care to comment on that? Herb was basically talking to Luke and Cody about trying to get Alloy and Nico Horner in a little bit of a trade. Why don't you explain uh, I mean, where I, we I ended get, up? I'd get more into it a little later if we want to, but it was just, you know, I think the White Sox and Alloy starting to hit and he's having a good second half. But in my heart of hearts, I love Alloy, and I know that Alloy will eventually be an all-star. But I can't as a White Sox fan, and I'm sure the White Sox uh, staff and ownership is like, ah, he's great. But availability is the best ability, and he's been off injured. Not because of his own fault, but he is. That's the real crux of the situation. Alloy has a good contract, and the White Sox and Rick Hahn signed him to a great contract. So it's very friendly. I would say this offseason, even though if the White Sox win in the playoffs, go farther than we think they should, they should look at retooling this team as a la 2004 where they had to get rid of Carlos Lee, who turned out to be a three-time All-Star after they got rid of him. But to make this team better, you got to give up something to get something, and you got to, like, even this team out. Like, you see how Cleveland has a bunch of middle infielders, a bunch of people who can field the ball, high baseball IQs, can play offensively well. I just think uh, Aloy's a one-trick pony. Uh, that trick is really well. He can hit the ball hard and hit it for average. But he's not available enough, and that's why I pretty much brought it up to the Cubs people, and because of him being a Cub prospect, who they traded dumbly for uh, my man Jose Quintana. And I also, they threw a, in some guy named Dylan Cease. I think it was a smart trade. Um, with Aloy, how, how do we feel he's been adjusting to the DH position? Because we look back on the contract, and he was signed to be a left fielder or an outfielder. Six years, $43 million. But as we know, uh, since the All-Star break, he's been one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. Designated hitter is now an actual spot where you know guys play each and every day. Um, in those 50 games since the All-Star break, he's got a batting average above 363, an on-base percentage above 425, a slugging percentage near 600. Um, it feels like he's adapting to that designated hitter spot well. We talked to him the other day, and he was asked, you know, your D, uh, that very question, your DH, and now are, are you used to it? Are you getting into a routine as the DH? Aloy Jimenez, quote, yes, because if I don't play in the outfield, I need to find a way to be there for my team. Whatever it takes to keep my focus on what I need to do and try to do my job. So do you like it more? Do you, do you like DHing now? <laughs> I still don't like it, but I need to do my job. It is what it is right now. I mean, listen, that's the attitude you got to have. I mean, his body has prevented him from playing the outfield at the moment. He, his legs after the surgery are not feeling strong enough where they're going to be able to – where they are comfortable throwing him out there to run around for a half an inning and then be able to do what he does at the plate. He is hitting the ball as well as he has in his entire career right now, even if it's not leaving the park, uh, you know, quite as – um, majestically, as it, uh, maybe it did at times during the 2020 season, but um, he is a he is a guy whose bat you need to have in there. And everybody was so focused on 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 the defense and how it wasn't good enough and how you got to get him out of left field. And there's a lot of truth to those those opinions. But my point being that now he's been forced into it. It's not just like, all right, you should they take him out? Should they not? They have to take him out because of his legs. And he has now proven that it is not something that 
can get in the way of his offensive success because he is having a, a phenomenal amount of offensive success and doing it as the DH. If I were to look ahead past the end of this season, I would go ahead and say he's your designated hitter because you got you want to keep him healthy. You, you mentioned Herb how injuries have been such a problem for him. So take away the half of his game that has caused most of that those injuries. Again, it's not his fault. Nope. He's not doing anything trying to get hurt or playing irresponsibly or anything like that. Um, he was playing in a position, though, that was increasing the chance of him getting injured. Putting him as the DH would probably lessen the chance of him getting injured, even though the injury that knocked him out for two months this year was one that he sustained running the bases. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and even though the White Sox have a ton of DH options, uh, the fact that he has been this good in that spot uh, would probably be difficult for the White Sox to move off of him. And two, the, the big credit I want to give Aloy um, since the second half, uh, well, before the first half, before he got injured and was dealing with those injuries, 22 strikeouts, four walks. Since the All-Star break, 31 strikeouts, 21 walks. It's amazing. He's been yeah. such a different hitter. He's been so patient. He's been able to deal out damage, get on base. And like you said, maybe the home runs haven't been there, but he's got 11 since the All-Star break. I mean, uh, I'll take it. Um, I'm, I'm Especially on this team. Right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to bat an eye at those numbers. So, yeah, if uh, the White Sox keep Aloy, I'm not going to be sad about it, but I'm just thinking, like, well, you need to have a different team coming out, and I think Aloy would fetch you the most coming back and making this team a little bit more even and get the glut of first baseman DH slash left fielder a little slimmer because I'm believing that Andrew Vaughn is pretty much coming back because they believe in his hitting, I believe in his hitting, and what Gavin Sheets has done since he's come back from minor leagues, it's a nice left-handed bat to have either at the designated hitter spot, and he's acquitted himself all right in right field. He's, you know, here, here and there a couple blunders, but you need to get rid of one of those guys because you would want – if you're bringing Jose Abreu back, which – it's probably solely on his shoulders if he wants to come back or not. You need to have a designated hitter and a right fielder and a left fielder. And yeah, if you have, have all four of those guys available, like your defense didn't improve. Your team is probably good, a good hitting team, but you're the same defensively uh, encumbered team. And you don't get enough at-bats for Andrew Vaughn. You don't get enough at-bats for Gavin Sheets. I think just – clearing up some of that space there. You don't get a good return for Gavin Cheats. You would get a great return for Andrew Vaughn, but I don't want to trade Andrew Vaughn because he has value with his bat still, and I haven't seen the best of Andrew Vaughn. I think Aloy, the best is yet to come, but he can't stay in the field as such in the four years that he has played. Well, and you throw in Jake Berger to that mix. Jake Berger, Aloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, and Jose Abreu, they're all basically DH. And Yasmani Grandal. And yeah, well, yeah, and yes. Yeah, and um, he's got to play DH, too. Uh, DH, first base, and, and outfield. Uh, uh, those are basically the, the glut uh, that they have uh, kind of just fighting for spots at those positions. Uh, basically, just final thoughts on the Aloy thing. We'll get back to the Cleveland and Minnesota series uh, this weekend. Um, I was just trying to angle for Aloy and Leary Garcia for Nico Horner. You get the, you get the youth <laughs> coming in, and then you get some, uh, some uh, roster spots open. Let's and just put Cubs it that way. And the Cubs didn't let us get him. They, right. they love. They're hugging Nico Horner. Like, he's the best shortstop. One of the people in the chat is like, why would we give away the best shortstop in the game? I was like, I'm done with the conversation if this is what we're talking about. He's good. He's, He's had a great year. He'd play second Man, base. Mercy. Um, On our team, he'll be like the seventh best player. Also, not really a surprise that the CHGO guys uh, over at Cubs are, are thinking about the offseason. Right. Yeah. Yes. We've got, we have a playoff race to discuss. Co Cody, yeah. I mean, hey, at least we're not like Cody. We all said that the White Sox were going to win over 90 uh, games, and that's obviously not going to come true. Uh, but Cody, I think, picked like 89 wins for the Cubs or something like he that. Had him, and he had them above 500. I know he that. Had him, he had 
them, I think, above 85 wins. So at least we're not uh, that far off and, uh, you know, uh, at least not that uh, dis- dis- uh, illusioned by uh, what our teams did uh, this year. Uh, Raul chiming up and saying, people, you forgot the Twins have a terrible bullpen. That is absolutely true. Uh, let's look a little bit at the pitching matchups or what pitching matchups we have so far announced for this five-game series between the Twins and Guardians. Tristan McKenzie will be going up against TBD on Friday against the Twins. That one's at 6-10. On Saturday, it's a day-night doubleheader. Bieber versus Winder. Uh, and then it's going to be Pilkington versus TBD on that nightcap at 6-10 on Saturday. Then on Sunday, it's Morris versus Joe Ryan. And then on Monday, it's uh, Cal Contral versus Sonny Gray. So you look at the last two matchups there, uh, Ryan and Gray, Sock, or the, the Guardians have the better, or the Twins have the better pitching matchup there. So if you're looking for where the Twins could possibly win and avoid their bullpen, maybe that Sunday and Monday games are the spots that they can Even the Saturday night cap. I don't know, you know who they're throwing out there on Saturday night for the Twins, but Connor Pilkington's no great shakes there. I mean, the first two games are going to be really tough for the Minnesota Twins to win with Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber going the bump. That's a smart thing for the Guardians to do, especially after today where they had to use their bullpen. None of their key pieces. I mean, I guess you could say Shaw's a key piece, but he pitches every day, so it doesn't really matter. But Tristan McKenzie will probably go deep in that game. Same thing with Shane Bieber. So they don't have to too much worry about those first two games as far as their bullpen. This is where they lose. This is where they have the starting pitchers and Plesak getting hurt and hurting himself causes them to go to people like Connor Pilkington getting everyday starts and other people getting everyday starts that shouldn't be. And so the Twins need to take advantage because they're still theoretically still in this thing. They got a game later on tonight, I think, versus the Kansas City Royals. They win that. They're only four games out. And then having a five-game series with a team that's one of the teams that's directly in front of you, mercy. you got to go and attack this Rocco Baldelli, especially getting embarrassed last week in Minnesota. You were saying this a ton yesterday. You just got to win, so obviously you can't worry too much about what's going to happen with Cleveland and Minnesota. But if Minnesota wins three of those games and the White Sox win two, you're at least two games back of Cleveland, and then you have three games against Cleveland. I see a lot of people saying you need to sweep, you need to take care of business. How would you define taking care of business this weekend if you're the White Sox having that three-game series in Detroit? Well, win tomorrow, and then if whether you do or not, win Saturday. Whether you do or not, win Sunday. That's what taking care of business is. Listen, you, uh, you, you said it, Herb, I, you know, talking about being realistic and expecting maybe two of three. Yeah, that's being realistic. Sure. The White Sox should win every single one of these games. They, they are much better than the Detroit Tigers. They, are, uh, they, are a, they have something to play for right now. The Tigers do not. The White Sox are trying to keep their season alive. The Tigers' season died long, long ago. Uh, very disappointing season in Detroit. And up until a couple of weeks ago, very, very disappointing season in Chicago. But... Right now, the White Sox are going out there and they're playing a lot better. They're playing with more of a mindset that you would expect from this team that you would have expected to see from this team all season long. Mm-hmm. Not that they necessarily needed to have this win at all costs, uh, you know, thought back in April when there was 100-something games in front of them, but they are now in the situation where they do need to win every single day. Every day is a must-win game for this team. They have been approaching it as such, and they have been playing well the last few weeks. Um but, man, I look at this, this AL Central. This is three teams in one of those cartoon fights where three people just dive at each other and there's a big cloud of dust. <laughs> and eventually at the end, you have no idea what's going on in the middle. Eventually at the end, somebody's going to come out. But you have no idea because you're just seeing arms flying out and legs flying out. Uh, 
I, I have no idea how this is going to play out, and it's very possible this comes down to the very last day with not just one, not just two, but maybe three teams. Somehow it's going to be uh, the scene, you know, the, the dust cloud settles, and Miguel Cairo is going to be somehow un, untouched, you know, completely fine, just fine standing upright, and then, you know, uh, Terry Francona and Rocco Baudelli will be on the side with those classic, like, you know, X little uh, yeah, stitches. Tweety birds around the right. head. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, all right, so shout out to Miguel Cairo. Um, I, I want to continue our talks here about the AL Central and some White Sox players that have been stepping up. You got one. One yep. uh, that you know you said was a top five third baseman uh, before the start of the season. Uh, she's been showing that in September, uh, and a new addition that has been lighting up recently for the Sox. But I want to let you know about something else that has been lighting up around our office. It's Chi Town Custom Cornhole. They're the number one cornhole provider for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. Their signature box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted. Their cornhole holes come in with built-in drink holders, recessed in on the back. They also have LEDs that light up the hole, so when you're playing at night you actually can um you don't have to just string led lights on they're professionally we done that, right? Yeah. um well but, right you know like my dad used to make cornhole boxes and he would have the uh the the projector on there and be projecting the white socks logo on there and then be drawing wow. the logo on the box and everything That's pretty good good yeah, for your dad right yeah. it was, it was yeah. a little, just a little side <laughs> gig. A lot of um, yeah. and then would get the led tubes and everything and mm. then go up and then put it around the light so you could play at night wow shy town cornhole is doing it at a way more professional level. They look a lot cleaner than my dad's boards. My dad did a great at-home job, uh, but these guys are taking it to the next level to make your parties better, your corporate designs better. Uh, they're great gifts for all occasions, especially if you're a tailgater or if you're having a lot of backyard barbecues. Again, they're veteran-owned and operated. They could ship anywhere and offer local pickup, and they're specializing in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social events, wedding gifts, and gifts for all occasions, and especially for tailgaters and backyard barbecues. Um, so definitely check out Chi-Tone Cornhole. Um, they've been making uh, boxes since 2007. Um, I call it Bags? I don't know about you guys. Call it bags. bags, yeah. Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I guess, my one beef there with, with, the, with Chi-Town I, Cornhole. I think the nation in general calls it Cornhole. I know the— I believe chi- we're the only ones that call it bags. Yeah, we're yeah. weird. Like, we call things pop instead of soda. That's and, true. Some and, might not say that's weird. Some might say that's right. And <laughs> I gym, and gym shoes. Yeah. Instead of sneakers or yes. tennis shoes. That one I don't get. J- I, oh, man. my wife to go to gym. Che- my, my, my wife was chewing me out the other day for calling them gym shoes. Where's she from? She's like, Ohio? you're not going to, No, she's from here. What's she goes, yeah. That? She's like, oh, you're not going to gym class. You're not playing tennis. I'm like, it doesn't matter. We're not sneaking around either. <laughs> We're not trying to commit an art heist either. We're, you know, so uh, listen, you keep that keep that East Coast nonsense on the East Coast. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and keep the Shy the Town Cornholes in Chicago. So go to ShyTownCornhole.com if you want to purchase a fantastic box from them. Uh, they got some fantastic ones that are in our offices. They look great with the CHGO branding. Uh, you can get whatever branding you want on there as well. So if you're looking for personal or for business, uh, check out ChiTownCornhole.com. Our points bet pick of the week is in the Chiefs Chargers game. If you want to download the points bet app today and use code CHGO to get two or three bets up to $2,000, maybe you place it on the under in tonight's game. Uh, my guy Cody from CHGO Bets likes the under 45 and a half today. So I'm going to ride with Cody. I think that usually these games are close. They're usually tight uh, and maybe they'll be tight enough where there's not a lot of Points scored, uh, but they're they're able to you know maybe it's a five point game. It's forty five and a half. Forty five and a half. Oh, I'm oh 54, 54 oh, I'm and say, a half. I'm about to say. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, like, know I'm how to read. over, over, over. F- Fifty four and okay, a half. I'm about under to... is my points. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, that was that's much better. I was like it's forty five. I'm just running the points bet right now and getting that over run while to, I can. Run the points bet now and place whatever bet you want. Download the points bet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one hundred Gamba for crisis counseling and referral services. We got. 
got another super chat in here um, from our guy Jaxel. Uh, MLB Network shows like MLB Tonight, High Heat, and MLB Central are so confused about this Central Division race. They're not alone. How could you not be? <laughs> it's I a mean, mess. For the most part, I mean, since the the Yankees and the Mets have both come back down to their uh, respective clubs in those divisions, the White Sox-Cleveland Guardians-Twins thing has been the thing the whole year because every other division, for the most part, has been blowouts and guys have been uh, going away from each other. This is very interesting because of how many times they play each other. The White Sox play each other six of the last nine games versus the Minnesota Twins. The Guardians and the Twins playing five games this weekend. Next week, the White Sox play the Guardians again. It's just like all the action, all the drama, the Tony La Russa thing in there, all the things that you want in a baseball pennant race going down to the end is going to happen this AL Central even though these teams are not as good as the other teams let one of them get in the, the tournament that Cleveland Guardian team can do damage and damn right if this White Sox team gets in the tournament with their pitching staff and the hitters how they're doing right now they're going to be damaging they're going to be the team that people was like I do not want to play them because all three games in the first round will be in Chicago and if they're hitting as they are, and if Lance Lynn's doing the shit like he is, and Cy Cease is doing the stuff like he is, we might be going home in two games. Herb, I believe what you just described was fun. Yes. And listen, I know this was five months of disappointment and frustration for every White Sox fan out there, but while I'm sure you're all going to say, oh, my God, I wish they would have, I would, of course, prefer they win the division by 20 games. Yes. No, this is fun. This is what you want to have at the end of the season. You want it to be dramatic. You want it to come down to the very end. You want to be sitting on the edge of your seat. This is fun baseball, regardless of how high quality it might be. Well, when I think it's fun is being right. And what we said early on was it's going to come down to the last nine games uh, with the Sox having six games against Minnesota. Uh, maybe we thought Minnesota would be the team they're fighting for the division. So maybe that's the, the part that's a little bit different. Um, but it is interesting to see how this game uh, affected the White Sox and where they stand. Uh, we said they needed to make a statement. We said must win. Um, maybe that the fact that they won this game pushes off must win down the road a little little bit um did you feel like they made a statement today and if so what was that statement uh, I don't know about a statement I think uh, for the most part Cleveland was like okay if we can get through this game with our starting pitcher Gaddis getting us through five we'll be fine you know win or lose we'll be fine we we, we think we can do some damage versus Lance Lynn if we can't not wasting Tristan McKenzie because you know while he struck out 14 versus the White Sox last time he can get hit and he can get hit hard for home runs, and we wouldn't want to waste Tristan McKenzie and then having to pitch Gaddis tomorrow and for Friday night versus the Minnesota Twins. Then you you double trick back there because then Saturday your bullpen's already gassed because you just pitched Gaddis and he just taxed your bullpen. So I don't think the Cleveland Guardians too much worry about this for the White Sox. It's got to be a lift up. Hey, we just lost the Colorado Rockies. We we're feeling down when we flew into Cleveland. This was our foe. The guys are right in front of us. They could have went to a uh, magic number of seventeen. We held them right at 19, and then if we do our business and twins do their business, we got our we got everything right in front of us next week, what we need to take care of. I think the White Sox, for the most part, control their own destiny, and that's all they can do. That's all that, that they can be happy with at this point. When, they're in. If they don't, they'll be going home. Absolutely. You, you asked me yesterday what did yesterday's game mean. Was it a really bad sign of things to come? And I said, 
we'll wait till tomorrow. Let's see. That's I true. said, because if they win tomorrow, <laughs> if they win tomorrow and they forget about this, you're never going to remember a lick of what happened in the, yesterday's game. I've already forgotten everything that happened in yesterday's game because today was such an important statement, I think, by the White Sox. Well, the one thing we didn't forget from yesterday, Elvis Andrews quote after the game. Uh, so, you know, we can forget about the game. Uh, like Miguel Cairo kind of said, like, you know, like flush it. We had some bad at bats, whatever. This is what Elvis had to say after uh, uh, the loss to Colorado on Wednesday on the Cleveland team that they just beat. They've been playing perfect until now. If we keep winning series, we know that sooner or later they're going to crumble the closer we get. Tomorrow is going to be a really good game for us to go out there and put up a statement. After that, go to Detroit and win that series for sure. That's what we've been saying. Like you said, win tomorrow. If you do that, win on Saturday, then win on Sunday. I want to talk about Elvis. You said the White Sox have been having more fun. They've been winning games. Elvis Andres clearly has been having fun uh, since coming over to the White Sox. In 25 games, 111 plate appearances, 32 hits, Six doubles, six homers, three stolen bases, and none caught stealing. Seven walks, 16 Ks. He's slashing 311, 351, 596. Had a homer today off Hunter Gatherer. How you feeling about Elvis? He's Johnny been, Cueto-like? Yeah, he's on the, same, <laughs> on the same level where these guys weren't supposed to be counted on for the White Sox at the beginning of the year. And then were signed in the middle of the year, a minor league contract for Cueto at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the season after Elvis Andres got DFA'd by the Oakland Athletics, but he's been much better than anybody could have ever imagined him to be. He's been great with the glove. Even though he didn't make that play, I think, off of uh, Rosario today, going the hole deep and trying to get him out, a speedy runner deep in the hole, mercy. He's been doing everything you want a leadoff hitter slash shortstop to do and I know he's 36 he's advanced in age if he was younger you could actually have that conversation of hey do we have him or do we have Tim be the shortstop since he's 36 not the future of the White Sox you got to move him to second because Tim is your future he's your present and your future of the team there's no reason to move him off of the position where Elvis is theoretically just a two-month rental you can re-sign him but he is a free agent after this season so He's been great, and whatever you've gotten from him and whatever he does from here on, I think he's uh, done more than you could have asked for. Even if he goes flatline at the, the rest of the year, that's pretty much what you wanted from him. You just wanted him to solidify the position until Tim came back. He's done much more than that. I talked to Elvis yesterday before yesterday's game, uh, and I asked him, I go, are you having fun? You know, is this, is this fun? And he and he looked at me, and I'll try to capture his tone. He went, oh, my God, it is a lot of fun, man. Uh, he said, yeah, it's been a while since I've had this much fun. It's all about winning. When you're winning, you have a lot of fun. Since I got here, it's been a lot of winning. And it's motivated me to do the best I can in the field every single day. September is a grinding month, but when you're in contention for the playoffs, it makes everything a lot sweeter. Enjoying every moment like it's the last and trying to give everything I can every day. So, um, listen, I think uh, – Everything out of his mouth is music to Sox fans' ears right now, not just because it goes along with the impact that he's made on the field with the bat, with the glove, but because he's bringing the right attitude. And I asked him if, you see, if you're seeing that right attitude from the team, and he said absolutely. And I, I don't think you could argue with the way that they've looked. You know, they've really passed the eye test over the last few weeks in terms of you know, when they were losing earlier in the season, every single comment from every single fan, they're flat, they're dead, they're horrible, they don't care, they're lifeless, blah, 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 blah. The results had the majority of the thing to do with that. They've been looking, though, to recapture that energy that they've had in years past. They've done it. They've found it. Well, and it, Elvis Andrews, in all the quotes that I've been reading, 
he cares. He wants to win. He's going out there and doing his best every single day, and I think that's what's showing up. Like, what Miguel Cairo, what we've heard him bring to the White Sox clubhouse is apparently a different type of energy, and it feels like Elvis Andrews, if you needed a veteran leader who's going to bring uh, A, energy and knowledge uh, of how to do it, like, this is exactly that guy. He's a guy that is going to be capable, and that's all he's proven for the White Sox now is that he's capable in every single spot. He was capable down uh, lower in the lineup, and then he did so well they moved him up in the lineup, and he's continued to rake. Um, it's just been nice to see a guy that knows how to get the job done, isn't scared of the moment, and is just like, I've been doing this for 10 years of my life. Let's go out and get it done. He's been doing it for more than that. Right. And what, you know, I don't know how, what our median age on our viewership is here. Sean, I know you're only about six or seven years old, so you might not remember just turned seven. when uh, El- Elvis Andrews and those Texas Rangers back-to-back World Series they made uh, in 2010-2011 ironically enough, lost the 2011 World Series to Tony La Russa's St. Louis Cardinals. But he told me, you know, he's been to the World Series. He knows what it takes to get there. He has been struck by how difficult it has been for him to get back to the World Series. Again, that's not one person's fault. It's being on a team that, you know, that doesn't get back there. But he, he can kind of smell it. And I don't think he's going out there and predicting that this White Sox team is going to win the World Series. But He's in a position that he has been in rarely over the last decade since the last time he made the World Series, and he's feeling the same energy that he did when he made it 10 years ago. And I'm just thinking about Elvis' perspective. You said he went to the World Series 11 and 12, being at the highest of heights in both team success and professional success, had a great year or had a great career in Texas. Then he goes to Oakland, and the jail that is Oakland, not only playing in Oakland, but that stadium – the team is terrible, the worst in the American League, and then getting freed and coming to a pennant race. And, yeah, while the White Sox are not a great team, they're a good team that's in a current pennant race, going from the purgatory, which is Oakland, to the oasis, which is the White Sox, and the AL Central must feel so freeing. He's like, you know what? I can just play free. I can play, have fun, because I know what bad is. I know what terrible is. That's the the year and a half I spent in Oakland. That was terrible. Now here in Chicago – Everything's fun. Win, lose, or draw. I'm just playing relaxed and free because I know what bad is. Well, and not only does he know what bad is, but he's going into a new manager with Oakland today. This is Mark Kotze's first year. So he as White Sox great. White Sox great, Mark Kotze. Um, and Elvis Andrews, now White Sox great. Uh, I, th- I think I saw Manny Ramirez mentioned in the chat before. Manny Ramirez, Don't know why, White Sox but sure, yeah. Um, somebody said that Aloy's Manny Ramirez, which I, I just dismissed because ridiculous. They both played left field, kind of. They're both Dominican. <laughs> Poorly. Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. They both have a first and last name. Um, they, they, both both were te- they both were technically on the Cubs at one point. Both They're- their names end with L, Y, and Z. That's true. Their, their, their numbers end in four. See, 24 and 74. This is this is perfect. That's it. Um, and they're both White Sox greats. <laughs> yes, and they're both White Sox greats. Um, but Manny Ramirez has hit a homer in a green uniform. Aloy has not, um, at least in, at the major league level. Um, the, to go into the Elvis thing, though, probably being the veteran in that locker room was probably a lot of pressure, especially having Marcante being a first-year manager. And then also having that pressure to show the young kids what to do, and this is how you be a ball player. And then having his plate appearances decline. I mean, we hear Aloy being like, oh, it's boring being a DH because I'm not involved in the game. Well, if you're not batting a ton, you're not getting those play uh, those opportunities in the field. Like, Elvis Andrews was probably just bored out there, and, and he wanted more at-bats. He's gotten more at-bats, and he is making uh, and taking advantage of every single opportunity he's got. 
gotten, um, and it's been very, very fun to watch him. Uh, let's talk about one more star uh, with uh, Yohan Moncada, and then we'll go to how the White Sox have been affected after this win in the playoff race. Herb, you said it. Yohan Moncada was a top-five third baseman uh, before this year. It's been a little bit of a struggle uh, with that, but September's been a good month for him. Really good. I mean, he's had 39 plate appearances, 36 at, bat, uh, at bats, seven runs in those uh, plate appearances, 13 hits, two of them being doubles, three home runs, six RBI, slashing 361, 400, and 667. The man is tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, we were talking about the five home runs hit, and we said that one where I said that was the most impressive one, the one that Yoan Moncada hit 420 feet away in Cleveland. He's just looking like he's better. Like, the the double he hit later in the game would have went out of four ballparks in Major League Baseball. So he's driving the ball with authority. His right-handed hit was pretty good. Like, he's doing most of the things that we expected Yoan Moncada to do. We said in the pregame. Five-hit game versus Detroit. Immediately got hurt in Tampa and had to sit out. Five-hit game last week versus Oakland. It's the Oakland A's. Now you have four-hit game in Cleveland when you need it. Yoan Moncada stepping up in the month of September, and as most people say, the month that matters. I don't say that, but most people say he's hitting where it matters. Yeah, he's been fantastic as of late, and if he's able to keep this up, we've seen nice swings from the right side, nice swings from the left side uh, so far from Yohan Mankata. So if he's able to keep this up, uh, those question marks uh, that were kind of left post-deadline uh, that Rick Hahn, you, 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 know, you, you threw out the questions for him, uh, the guys on the roster need to step up. Yohan Mankata has been stepping up and has been huge. Uh, what is a first game or a one-game win? Is it a dusting or is that oh, a wipe down? It's so two's two a dusting, dusting. three's a, a sweeping. I don't know if we had a one game. I think we did. I a think one it's game like, is like just like kind of shaking something off the top of your head. You, you wipe it off your hand. Brushing off the shoulder, yeah. A quick spit shine. Spit shine, there you go. Yeah. I kind of like, like that. Spit shine or wipe down? I was picturing like when you just like pick something off of your your your, your side table and just like kind of. Just do this. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of Brush like, the crumbs like onto the flicking, floor. A flicking? <laughs> uh, okay. I don't think so. Right, we're flicking. Not, oh, there we go. Hey, thank you, Sox hat. I'm not sure I like that. Um, all right, we'll, we'll skip <laughs> flicking. Uh, so we like we like a spit shine? I don't know. I like the just brushing the crumbs off the table. It's not catchy, right. but it, it is a good It's a good, uh, a a good br- image. A brushing of the, the, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, let's look at fan graphs and their playoffs, uh, playoff odds and how it has been affected with this White Sox win. Um, so if we can actually go to the, 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 the other one, uh, this is what it was before the game. Guardians to make the playoff playoffs 81.6%. Sox to make the playoffs 14.9%. To win the division, it was 81% for the Guardians, 12.9% for the Sox. Now, after this win, the Sox are at 21.3% to make the playoffs and 19% to win the division. So they gain about 5% with this win. Guardians are at 73.8% to win the division and 74.7% uh, to make the playoffs. So at least it's not a full... 75%? At least it's, you know, they, they made some damage. They, they caused some damage. Basically gained uh, a half a win and half a loss here today, uh, picking up a full game with the win. So if they're able to continue winning and they're able to take care of the Guardians on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, this Sox team won't be dead like a lot of teams were uh, fans were claiming yesterday. So it will be an interesting and fun watch. That's why they call it a marathon, boys, right? Yeah. We're, we're on uh, mile 26 And at it's this point. finally paying off, like, that sludge, that slog that we had to go through to get to here is finally worth it. I mean, the shows have all been great, but, you know, as fans, 
you're just like, ugh, God, these White Sox are put, taking years off my life. And I hope that we've provided some type of therapy, some type of uh, respite for you after these games where the White Sox didn't perform well. But, yeah, finally we're getting fun baseball. The team is playing more like we expected them to play now it's good. It's, now we get to play Detroit. Man, I love Detroit. I love playing versus them. It's a good time. Hey, ten and three this year uh, against Detroit. They've been kicking uh, Detroit's just eating ass. all the time. Um, I tell you what, Wimpy, I love Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> we will be here with you tomorrow to preview tomorrow's game. It will be, I think, a five thirty pregame because I think it's a six ten start time. So a five thirty pregame for you, six ten start time as the Sox will be taking on the Tigers. As we've mentioned, it's Lucas Giolito versus Matt Manning. We will see what happens tomorrow. Make sure you join us live here on the CH. Geo Sports YouTube channel. We will have a pre and post game show for you. Make sure you hit that like uh, button and uh, appreciate uh, Sarah, my guy boy, saying uh, best post game crew. I uh, love you for that. Yo, um, you can't say the word. I'm not gonna say titty boy. Uh, we can't say titty boy. boy. Titty boy. Just did. Anyways, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. You listen this long. I'm sure kids not listening this long on a podcast. And if you listen this long, you deserve a say titty boy. It's they've got part. like they've got like something else to watch on YouTube, like guys throwing a basketball off a stadium or something. Isn't yeah. that yeah. what kids watch these days? Yeah. Right? Boy unboxing yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckenroll23. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for your production. And thank you to Fleetwood Mac for your 1979 album Tusk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.